BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 158th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? I am doing well. I uh, can't believe it's August already. Um, yeah, we're what a little over a month out from all out me going back to Chicago again. Uh, dude. Oh, and this weekend I'm going to the superhero comic con and car show in San Antonio. So I am going to meet, I walk alone. Dave Let's Batista. Go. And it's like, uh, my list of wrestling personalities and wrestlers that I have not met is really really small and uh dave batista's on that list uh he is on the list of people i've never you know gotten a picture with because i've like like when we were in new orleans after wrestlemania 30 we passed and kind of waved at each other and you know and (laughs) i uh uh, at wrestlemania 20 uh they were at a they were at a racetrack i remember and kind of met him there to a point but i never got a picture with dave batista so Yes. I'll get to Dave Batista, and I got both a Drax pop and a Batista pop for him to sign. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, the rest of the weekend, non-wrestling related, we're going to meet Simu Lee, who is Shang-Chi. Yeah, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. I'm going to then meet uh, Haley Atwell, uh, which is uh, Captain Carter and Peggy Carter. All right. And, and then uh, Brandon Ruth. Oh, oh, and I forgot the piece de la resistance, the main event, the reason for the weekend, the reason we're actually going. I am taking my good pal, my good buddy, Tiffany, to meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. Wow. And that, and her name's Star Wars Tiffany, and it has been on her list of things to do. She has never been able to go to the Star Wars day or anything like that. So in one year. In one year, I have been able to take my friend uh, to uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and now she gets to meet Ewan McGregor. And it's one of those it's one of those things. I I don't say it, you know, like oh yeah, I'm doing this. No, it's just Tiffany is one of those people that <laughs> she just shares her joy in such a big level that if you're a friend, if you're a friend and you get it, you just kind of want to make her happy. Because it means so much more to her than it does to everybody else. Like, I'll meet Ewan. I'll be like, oh, cool. I met Ewan McGregor. She met Ewan. She's going to be talking about it for six months. She's going to be doing a video about it. She's going to be posting pictures about it every couple months. And it's just awesome how passionate and how much she loves things. So if, you know, in the world I can do this for one of my friends, and it makes me feel happy to see how happy it makes her. Absolutely, yeah, and I think she's gonna go absolutely nuts for it because, quite frankly, with her love of uh, Star Wars stuff, like something like this, she's going to love so so much. So I I'm, I can't wait for uh, how excited I'm sure she'll be for that. Yeah, and you'll get to see all the reactions. My big thing is it's cons, and at cons, especially with big names, they do have a tendency sometimes to rush you through. Oh, uh, yes. I, I hope she gets her moment with him, and I hope she gets yeah. to tell him how much she likes, you know, like the show and all that stuff. We got VIP passes to the show, so we'll be a little bit ahead in line. So hopefully she can uh, get her time with him. Like me, it's not really that important. I, If you you asking me who I could talk to this weekend, it's going to be Batista all the way, just so I can tell him how much of I have, like, fell in love with the dude as an actor. I did not like him as a wrestler. I won't say that to him, but I did. I could give I could give two craps about Batista as a wrestler. But I've literally like seen everyone in his movies. Like one weekend, I went on Amazon and just put his name in, and there were movies I never knew he did, and I was just pressing play and watching them because I I just really enjoy him as an actor. I think he's really good at it. I really do. And it's like, and uh, and it's but his wrestling, he was to me generic big guy. And it just never, you know, resonated with me. But I, I, I loved him too. So I love going to cons. I do. I love going to comic cons, and I love going to fan fest. Just like in just meeting and chatting with the people to let them know, you know, how they, you know, how uh, how they have impacted your life. Because of course they don't know me. But you know, Batista three times on Twitter has actually commented on comments that I have because I am huh. such a big fan of him as an actor that I would go on and I would tag him and tell him how much I love the movie, and he's like, "Dude, I didn't even know anyone saw that movie." Yeah, <laughs> that's like, great. Yeah, so that was it was kind of cool. I, I I really I really did enjoy him, and he has this way of uh, 
he has this way of, with his facial expression, uh, really doing complex emotions. And which, like I said, I didn't get from him as a wrestler, but as an actor, definitely got it from. So there's enough of this. I, if you can't tell, I'm very excited. Haven't seen Tiffany since March. And so I get to hang with my friends, hang with my friends for three days. We got the VIP front of the line access, comes with unlimited popcorn. Let's fucking go. Well, if you get the chance uh, for me, ask him about his Running Wild with Bears Gr- Bear Grylls episode because that was a lot of fun to watch. I will ask him that, and I will ask him the question that everybody wants to know. How big is pink? How big his dick is, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say, but I'm glad that you started to lean into that, yes, because we need to know how big his dick is. Yeah, which I'm like, I literally don't care. <laughs> but it's still, <laughs> it's, it's still funny. That it's just really oh, he must dope. be so sick of that. Yeah. He must be so sick and, of that. And, and you know, that's why I'm not going to say it, because I'm sure at least three people are going to say it. Or exactly. At least, they won't say and, the exact thing, but they are going to... They're going to be yeah. like, how big is it? Yeah. And, uh-huh. and I'm like, you're not creative. You know that, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. But regardless, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be an absolute blast of a time. But um, yes, guys, we are back with a Th- All Things Elite. Sorry for no episode last week. Uh, schedules were not aligning, and we weren't able to get an episode out quickly enough to be able to get it up in time where we could talk about it before the next Dynamite came out or whatnot. So, um yeah, unfortunately, we weren't able to get an episode up last week, but we got one right now, so I'm glad you guys are here listening to the podcast, but we've got a ton to talk about on this week's episode. Before we get into everything, though, guys, please continue to download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts, and if you listen to us on Spotify or anywhere else you get podcasts, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review, and if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way for you guys to support us is on that lovely blue app that is Twitter. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, and you can also find us uh, our episodes on at Social Suplex. Those guys make this show possible. They are our podcast network, and they also have a bunch of other great shows. Listen to all of them. They're great. Uh, myself, I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And, of course, the big news of the week, and it was – Uh, announced on this episode of AEW Dynamite that we're going to be talking about is that the trios titles are now official. We have the trios championships. They look beautiful. Like pretty much every single AEW championship looks amazing. Honestly, like I had a problem with the original women's belt because it was way too small, but like now every title looks gorgeous. Every single one. It's, it's honestly quite amazing. Um, but we have the trios championship. We're going to be having a tournament to decide the first ever trios champion, and it will wrap up at all out this year. Um, and look, I know he's not healthy, but, and you already know who both me and Floyd are vouching for, for your first ever AEW trios champions. It's very simple. It's CMFTR. That's absolutely. It's it's literally it's that or nothing else. I don't give a fuck about your undisputed elite. I don't give a fuck about your hangman and young bucks. I don't give a fuck about anything. Ah, fucking House of Black, Death Triangle. It's CMFTR. 
There's no other options. I like Punk could wrestle none of that match, and FTR could go full two on three on everybody, and then still win the trios titles. I wouldn't care. Dude. It just needs to be CMFTR. Yeah, we we were deprived of our actual summer of Punk. You know, we uh-huh. were supposed to get our summer of Punk. So I feel like in uh, in the world taking away and fate taking away our summer of Punk, the least. The least TK can do is make CM Punk and FTR the first ever trios champions. And I did ask the question, and I did not get an answer. Would that add an extra star to FTR? Would I make, would agree. Would, I would, would, would think they, it would. It has to be the eighth star, right? The trios. Yes. Tag. It's still a tag team. It's just three instead of two. No, but I am uh, really, really excited for this. Uh, we've been waiting for this what seems like forever. Uh, when I bought my tickets to the Jericho Cruise, the reason I got my tickets to the Jericho Cruise is I was told that the trio's titles were going to be decided on there uh, like a year before. You know, COVID happened, things changed. I understand why it didn't happen. But that was the original reason I chose to do Jericho Cruise. I will tell everybody, one of the best times of my life. If you get a chance to do it, great, you know. Why, there's the videos out there, but dude, when you live in it and you're you're around everybody and seeing everybody and wrestlers just walking past you in the hall, I will tell you, it's pretty epic. But that's the reason I did it, and and I didn't get my trios titles, and then they announced it, and I'm like, of course I'm gonna be it all out, and this will be so kind of it's so it'll be kind of cool. So I saw the first ever world title uh, 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 named. Um, I was there at All Out, won the first world champion. I then, you remember, I flew to uh, Dynamite in Washington, D.C. for the first episode. So I saw the first ever women's champion, right? Miss the Tag Belts, Miss TNT, Miss Tag Belt and TNT because of basically COVID, you know, in essence. Uh, but then we get to, uh, got to see the All American champion, first ever All American champion. Uh, get crowned. So it's like all Atlantic, yeah. All Atlantic, whatever. It, it, it's <laughs> I was gonna say it has Japan on it. You know, I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the uh, and then uh, and then so it'd be cool to add an extra belt to that. Uh, that would be uh, amazing. And like I said, AEW is built for a trios division. If you're talking about best friends in Orange Cassidy, which Technically, the three of them are still the best friends. Um, but the best friends in Orange Cassidy, you're talking about the Dark Order. You're talking about uh, House of Black, which is a, a trio. You're talking about literally Death Triangle is a trio. <laughs> um, Andrade and uh, Andrade and Roosh can, uh, you know, you know, Roosh has a couple, you know, or has a brother that's pretty good at wrestling by the name of Dragon Lee. Uh you got that trio, you, CMFTR, uh, without saying, the hun, Hung Bucks, the Elite, the original Elite, the Undisputed Elite, which in this case will be Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, you have so many different options. So before we move on, I, I, I kind of wrote this question. Who do you think will be the first champion? Not who you want. I know who you want. Who do you think? If I had to pick uh, who I thought the first AEW trios champion was going to be, uh, 
Um, I would have to put into fact of like, you know, all right, let's let's look at our trios that we have. So if we go through them, if I can kind of run through them all in my head, um, you've got uh, House of Black. You've got a few other ones. I'm there. I'm trying to remember everyone off the top of my head, and I'm unfortunately not going to be able to. But if I had to choose what I thought the first trios champion was going to be, um, honestly, if I'm being honest, I think it might go to the Blackpool Combat Club. That would be a good. That would be a good group. Me personally, I think it's going to be the best friends. I think, oh yeah, I think they're going to be the first champions. It's a way to I would I would genuinely like that too because it would finally give a championship to Trent and Chucky who have needed one, who have deserved one for a very long time now. I was back in like 2020, I was screaming for best friends to be tag team champions. Yeah, and then you know, it's a way to put a strap on Orange Cassidy who despite a lot of people not understanding his character has really really been a strong piece of AEW. Uh, if you ask me who I think they should put it on, I think it should be the Dark Order. Oh, really? Yeah, so, because um, you would say Uno, uh, uh, if, Silver, if, and Reynolds? If my choice, I would say Hangman, Silver, and Reynolds. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, but Uno works too. Uh, Ten works too. Just yeah. Just the, the idea of the Dark Order, um... Unfortunately, they have been loved since Brody left, but not really pushed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they've also lost multiple members, too. Yeah, they're the Cubs. They're the lovable losers of AEW. It's like, yeah, we all love you, but we we know you're going to lose, you know? Yeah. And if they can have that moment, they win the titles, all of the Dark Order gets in the ring, has a hug. You know, they could lose the title in a week or two after that, but... That's the great thing about a trio's title. It's a title that can change hands a lot, and it's really not that big a deal, right? <laughs> I mean, so I think the longest reigning New, uh, New Japan trio's champions ever was like six months. Like, seriously, that's not even a joke. <laughs> it's like it's like six, like six to eight months is the longest champion because it's a title you can switch a lot, and it's not that big a deal. But I would really like them to get that feel-good moment with the first champion, but I would like the stronghold, the people that hold it the longest, they end up being the House of Black eventually. Yeah, honestly, like if we're being honest, they would be like the longest trios champions for sure. Um, I just think like in terms of uh, Blackpool Combat Club to get it on like Yuta and Claudio and Danielson because Moxley still being interim AW World Champion, I wouldn't want him to hold two belts at this point. Um, plus, it just it it because that whole unit has been like outstanding. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, the Bat Club Harley Hat Club is probably my favorite faction. Not you know uh, that it's officially a faction. CMFTR, of course, being number one, but they just have been established really well, <laughs> and they've rebuilt Yuta. You know, I honestly didn't like. Like uh, Jericho Appreciation Society, it has grown on me. Daniel Garcia has grown on me. Love that. But yeah, Blackpool Combat Club, God, those matches with Willie Uta, basically them beating the shit out of each other before they allowed him in the group was amazing. And then they just, Claudio came on and they just put him in the group. If I was Willie Uta, I would have questions. You know. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I had to take beatings before I got in the group. Y'all just let him in. Whatever. But, you know, he's one of the better wrestlers in the world, so that's great. I don't know. I If you can't tell, I'm very excited about the uh, trios titles. I, I, we've heard about trios titles since the beginning of AEW. The possibility of them, they were coming, they were like, oh, it's coming then, it's coming soon, then you heard soon, then you heard, hey, when Kenny Omega comes back, so I don't know if that means he's coming back, but I'm very excited. I think this week you'll start hearing how the tournament is going to break down. I would like an 18 tournament, but you only got like a month to decide the tournament. So yeah, they're going to do what they do. Yeah. We'll probably get like a four person or six person. I feel like, yeah. Or maybe like a five person with one team getting a buy. Okay. That would make sense. So regardless. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all excited that we finally have the trios championships, uh, announced and I can't wait to see what matches we get, uh, because AEW, whenever they do a tournament leading into a pay-per-view, it always gives us great matches and it gives us a lot of things to be excited about. So I'm all for it, but let's get into this episode of AEW Dynamite for Fight for the Fallen Week. We opened up with the AEW Interim World Championship match between John Moxley and Roosh. And Roosh, man, that dude is big and fast. He is very intimidating for sure. Um, I remember seeing Roosh at a uh, battle of battle. I mean, a War of the Worlds show uh, in Michigan, and that dude like. He was definitely somebody I was like, wow, man. That's like, first of all, Roosh reminded me of a guy who could definitely be a WWE guy if they, if he wanted to. Um, he would need to find a character, but regardless, he had that type of look that I was like, WWE would fall over themselves to get this guy. Um, I'm very glad that he's been doing stuff with AEW and he's been paired up with uh, Andrade. Um, and these guys did a really good, really long match as well. And um, Roosh was getting a ton of work in on Moxley a little bit. And eventually Andrade got out and uh, was getting involved and causing causing problems until the Lucha Bros came out and chased Andrade away, wanting revenge after uh, Penta got unmasked by uh, those two. And eventually, while the whole everything was happening, Moxley was able to hit the uh, paradigm shift or the Death Rider and then quickly put the bulldog choke in and got the win to retain the interim championship. And then the wizard Chris Jericho comes out with the JAS. He comes out, congratulations, congratulates Moxley, said, great job as the interim champion on a roll. But like, listen, JAS is on an amazing role that is untouchable by anybody. Jericho's like, I beat Eddie Kingston. I beat Eddie Kingston, which we um, unfortunately couldn't talk about the uh, de- the barbed wire everywhere match. Um, but I'm pretty sure Floyd and I can say um, kind of a bit of a similar situation with the exploding barbed wire death match. Great match. Shame about what happened after the match was over because that that ending sequence was very botched. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I, I you know. I, I I promised to be honest on here, and we didn't actually cover last week's show, and I was kind of g- g- great. I was kind of happy because I can honestly say the week before last, they had an episode of Dynamite that I did not like. And, yeah, and it was and it it was kind of a consensus. I listened to Voices of Wrestling, and I always listen to Joe Lanza's TV reviews, and we hardly ever agree. <laughs> and it was like. 
he was like, this was not a good episode of Dynamite. And I agreed with him. And I was like, the world is broken right now. I don't uh Yeah. That, Honestly, yeah. the like the only things I liked was Brody King and Darby. Um there was Best a- Friends and but best friends and uh, BCC, and then Dex cut his awesome promo. Yes, yes, yes the fight like an eight year old girl. Yeah, so he cuts that promo, and and as, other than that, I, I remember watching the show and just feeling like really unfulfilled afterwards. Cause yeah, yeah, they generally deliver on their stipulations and the shark cage, and then they escape the shark cage, and I was like honestly disappointed to that because I'm like I didn't care if Jericho won, I didn't care if Kingston won, but it should have been one on one, and whoever won won kind thing and then it just basically turned into a street fight and then you know they double teamed uh eddie to win it and i was just like well was it it didn't leave a great taste in my mouth but moving on to this week's episode um uh, yeah I, I you know i like it i like it with chris jericho i beat him up i won i and now he wants to get his rematch He's invoking his rematch clause on Moxley so he can become the first ever two-time AEW world champion, which is like, yo, uh, Moxley's already done that. And with the greatest show name ever, Quake by the Lake. Yes. In two I, I don't weeks' know. time. I don't know. Some people thought it was Cordy. I was just like, dude. That's you know, old-school classic wrestling yeah, shit. It's old-school classic wrestling shit, of course, and I'm old. And two, it's just like... It's making stuff that that's AEW's own. You know what I mean? It's like everything generally is an offshoot of something WWE does. And AEW tries to make stuff their own. Tries to give stuff its own name and, you know, try to make their own brands. And it's just like, it's so weird that anytime they do it, people like fight against it. But if they didn't, you know, there would be a certain people that's like, oh, they just want to be WWE. They are trying to do everything they can to say these are two different products. Yes, and, they were like <laughs> pushing the alternative uh, product yeah, hardcore. Yeah, so, yeah, like these names like Quake by the Lake, Grand Slam, stuff that they're making their own brands, their own names moving forward. That's good. And basically, you're getting a, you're getting a pay-per-view quality show with a promised world title match in Minnesota. How can you complain about that? Yeah, no, it's great. And Moxley, after uh, Jericho had the challenge, he said, I hate you. I used to look up to you, so this is sad. He still believes in his own ways that, uh, in his own way, that Jericho is still the greatest of all time. Um, but listen, everything he's got going on now, the sports entertainment shit is pathetic. This AEW championship is the championship of professional wrestling, and I'm the guy who made it that way. He's like, listen, I leave all of this sports entertainment trash at home. I don't want the Wizard or Le Champion. I want the guy from the Super J Cup. I want the Lionheart. And if this is going to be defended on my watch, it's going to be John Moxley versus the last survivor of the Heart Dungeon, Lionheart Chris Jericho. And I'm like, ooh, it gave me a chill hearing him say that. Like, that's such a great thing. Like, legit. Like, that's a fucking line. Because, I mean, you you pull back on the history of Chris Jericho because, like, that's what you kind of have to do for a Jericho championship title shot because obviously when he won the title when AEW was conceived, um, it made sense because, I mean, you want a guy that's like established who can carry your brand. But now it's like, 
all right, well, if Jericho's going to go for the championship again, it's like there's got to be a good reason because, I mean, he's not he's he's not the oldest wrestler on the roster, but he's definitely long in the tooth. And, like, you got to be like, all right, tell us why we should care about a possible Jericho championship run. And it's like play on the history of it. Play on, like, what Jericho's past, like, what he was. Like, I, I love the callback, um, and I'm excited to see, like, what Jericho does this week. So that way we build towards that. Cause I want to see what Jericho's like response in that is. Um, but yeah, I thought we had a really good opening defense for Moxley as the interim champ and having another challenger already named, uh, heading into the next couple weeks of dynamite before all out keeps Moxley like consistently on TV doing unbelievably good matches, uh, in front of fans, which quite honestly, if it wasn't for the pandemic, he would have been doing anyway, but, uh, yeah, I thought this was an awesome way to open up the show. Defending the interim belt has is very important to making it like, you know, like a belt that matters that you, he's fighting like he's a world champion. The great thing about Mox, even in his first run, is that he defended it against anyone. The thing about Jericho is like he said it right after. Are you going to go straight after? Jericho? No, I can I can call in that title shot anytime I want to. Oh my God! It's just perfect. Now we get now we're here in August, and it's like, oh, I'm calling in my title shot. Like I think this might have been the longest time in between someone losing the title and gaining back for them to actually do their rematch clause. Because what? Uh, let's see. He lost the title in what was it? February of twenty. Uh, yeah, February of twenty at um Revolution. It was the last pay-per-view before the pandemic. And now it's like literally over two years later, two and a half years later, he's like, oh, I want my rematch. That's that's pretty awesome. I, I Again, uniquely AEW because, you know, who does that? Uh, and I am really excited about them two wrestling. The thing about Mox, his style is physical straightforward. Jericho still does that style really, really well. I've never had, you know, I don't have a problem. You put Jericho in there with Minoru Suzuki, any of the straightforward wrestlers, Hiroshi Tanahashi, he's going to have a good time because it's not going to have to be overly athletic. It's going to be closer to a fight. And I think it's going to be them two wrestling it. That's going to be the perfect match for them two. Yeah, I think there's uh, tons of promise for that. I'm like really excited to see exactly how that goes. But we then moved on uh, to another championship match, the FTW title open challenge match, because last night, I mean, last the week before this episode of Dynamite, uh, Ricky Starks was challenged by Danhausen. Fucking. Oh, that was such a good. Uh, I loved it. Dan, that that was another great thing about last week's. Uh, the I mean, the uh, the uh, fighter fest week two Dynamite was. Uh, Ricky Starks being like, man, Danhausen. That's like literally all people wanted to talk about. <laughs> yes. It but, was a great, a great impression. Yes. So we had the match between Ricky Starks and Danhausen for the FTW championship. Uh, Danhausen uh, was able to uh, get um, Ricky Starks, uh, who ran at him into the corner, and he was able to dodge him, and Starks went into the corner and was going after his neck a little bit uh despite that despite despite that 
uh, Danhausen got speared out of his shoes and uh, was beaten relatively quickly. Ricky is like, got on Mike afterwards and was like, still holding his neck, being like, that's very nice, very evil, but you're not absolute, Danhausen. And he's like, just like last week, I still got a little bit in the tank, so let's bring out another challenger. And this time, I'm for real. We're going to do it this, we're going to do back to back defenses. And Taz is like, Ricky, what are you doing? And then fucking Hook answers the challenge, and the building comes unglued. And even Taz was like, Ricky, you fucked up now. My like, because he's like, my boy is coming out here. And Hook immediately goes after Ricky Starks. Um, uh, and he uh, quickly, uh, though, Starks actually was able to counter and get a spear and get a quick... Uh, Near fall, almost looking like he might get the win over Hook. Despite that, the red rum was attached, uh, was was uh, locked in, and Hook forces Ricky Starks to tap out. Loved his selling of that too, of that of that uh, submission, and Hook holds the championship that his father created. So apropos, I know Floyd tweeted something out about uh, this moment from Dynamite, and his tweet fucking got major traction traction on that. Um, Dude, it, it's it's the strangest thing. It was a genuine reaction. Like, I mean, I'm like, I saw, you know, on TV, of course, I saw his dad defend the FTW championship. And he just had FTW written on his wrist before it was almost a title or whatever. And to see now this kid that when I listened to Taz's podcast and his sports show, I listened to both of those. He would talk about his son, Hook, and how he was really good at lacrosse and he was an athlete and he was good at judo. And he just just you just heard it. And this moment was seemingly okay you it's like you have to do it right and it was just like i did not expect it on this episode of dynamite the last you know fight for the fallen you know episode of dynamite i didn't expect ricky to do it but it was the perfect way for it to be done it was like the perfect way and it just got me all up in my feelings and i'm like super excited and i'm like oh my god i'm just like Tony Khan knows how to make a moment, right? And this was mm-hmm. the moment. And it, I mean, if you didn't, of course, you didn't have to know who Taz was back in the 90s. You didn't have to watch those matches. But he's told the story of what the FTW belt has meant and how it's his belt that he invented, he created, he, Renegade. So Taz called the match where his son won the title that he invented. Dude, I'm like, you say that moment, and he's like, is this a movie? Is this like yeah. the end of a movie? Because it's such a perfect moment. And you like, you know, Hook doesn't sell much, and he always has this uninterested look. But if you go back and watch the AEW video from after the match where his dad's talking, and you hear all that pride and that beaming from a proud father, and even Hook breaks down and smiles. Yeah. Because it's such a genuine moment, not forced at all, just it was perfect. 10 out of 10. You're talking about like two weeks in a row, I'm talking Dax promo, then this, it's just like these feel-good moments that 
you just don't get a lot in wrestling in just in general. And this is like, these are not like built to a major show. These are just like on a regular episode of the show. And yeah, I'm like, I'm trying not to get choked up because I got a little, you know, like, I was like, it was just a special moment. And you could tell from them that it was a special moment. So, I don't Absolutely. Know. This is like, if, if we do end up doing a poll for moment of the year and you don't vote for this, I'm, I'm going to look at you crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy about this. Um, we then went to commercial break, and when we came back, though, Tony Schiavone was in the ring to interview Ricky Starks uh, with Powerhouse Hobbs on his side. And Ricky was like, listen, I'm not a stranger to losing, and I'm okay with that. But when he was given that title, uh, people thought it was a noose, and I turned it into a tie. Nobody back there can say anything. I did it. I made that title mean something. I exceeded all expectations. And he's like, listen – People back there were telling me to be patient. My, I'm like, I'm tired of that. Your time will come. You're, I'm tired of that. My time was last week. My time was last month. My time was last year. My time is right now. It's like, I don't want to say people saying I want. I had a string of bad luck. It was a string of bad timing. And that's why me and Hobbs, fucking powerhouse Hobbs, wrecks him. Clotheslines him from behind. Knocks Ricky Starks dead in his tracks. Unbelievable turn. Like, absolutely. And, like, right as fans were, like, really getting hooked on, uh, uh, no pun intended, hooked on uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks together. Like, people were really getting behind them. And then right then and there, you have Hobbs knock Ricky on his ass as he's turning babyface. And... You just fucking you you do the you kind of do the deed twice, and now Ricky Starks is gonna feud with, with Powerhouse Hobbs, and I'm just like, dude, that was perfectly done. That was such a good moment. Like I was, I couldn't believe how well because now Ricky Starks is set up to be one of your top young baby faces, and Powerhouse Hobbs has a really good chance to reinvent himself because when he first turned heel in AEW. It's pretty weak, honestly. When he first turned heel, and it was against, I believe, Moxley during the pandemic. Well, no one really got into it too much. And granted, it didn't sell well because you were doing it in front of nobody. But this was perfect. I loved this moment. I thought Hobbs's turn was so well done. And, and, and let me clarify: Taz, Team Taz was heel. Yeah, and even Taz was like Taz Taz selling it on mic too. We have to sell like Taz selling it too was amazing. Yeah, it wasn't. This wasn't Hobbs turning heel. This was Starks turning face. If you think about it, like sure, sure, yeah, exactly. I kind of, I kind of saw it as like a double almost because (laughs) you know, like like in the same moment too. Yeah, Team Taz already cheated. They were already heels. He was already a heel. He's just basically saying, Ricky, you're soft. You're not heel enough. You're an albatross. You're holding me down. Look at these abs. Look at, I mean, dude, uh, I, like I say, I challenge you all to go look at Will Hobbs' first match in AEW. Look at his physique. Impressively large man. Look at his physique now. Yeah, he's almost had a full Walter translate, yeah, translation, like honestly. He is, looks like he is, was cut from granite now. And it's just like, the dude's always been physically impressive. Always, but good lord, it's just like, huh? Like he put in the work to define it, 
And I am really looking forward to this powerhouse Ricky, powerhouse Hobbs Ricky Starks feud. I, you know, um, I've heard a long time that when Ricky was on, you know, independent, his best thing was being a baby face in peril. Well, there's no one to put you in peril like uh, the giant man, which is Hobbs. So I'm really looking forward to this faction. Did would I? Would I have liked them to have a tag team title run? Yes, because I think they have been consistent performers. And I think they're massively over. And I think that would have worked. And I would have liked Team Taz to get a title other than the FTW title. That's really the only title Team Taz ever held. holds. So that would have been great. But, man, just imagine Ricky Starks on the face side. Ricky Starks versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, Ricky Starks, you know, against MJF, you know, you got all these people that are heels, Malachi Black for Ricky Starks to go up against. And I just think, man, you're only tipping, you're only, uh, at the tip of the iceberg of all the great matches you're going to get out of a face Ricky Starks. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm so excited for that. Um, we then will move over to uh, Dante Martin versus Sammy Guevara. And for this match, uh, Dante didn't want to deal with Ty Conti causing tra- crap outside the ring. So he got Sky Blue to join him uh, to ringside uh, for this match. And unfortunately, um, this match is bogged down with the fact that um, it is pretty clear that Dante Martin suffered another uh, unfortunate injury. Uh, during the match, you can see points where he's very, very clearly suffering from a leg injury or some th- sort of injury to his leg. Um, he was limping during the match, and after the match, he was being uh, checked on by uh, AEW medical team um, because that's when uh, when the beating down was happening between Cy, Ty and Sammy. Uh uh, blue, uh, yeah, Sky Blue got in the ring and they started fighting, and then that's when Ruby Soho, Santana, or I mean, Ruby Soho, Ortiz, and Eddie Kingston came down to even the odds. While that was happening, Dante is getting looked at, and um, according to reports from PW Insider, he was spotted on crutches after the match, after the show was over, I believe. Uh, we don't know the severity of the injury yet or how long he will be out for. But it's pretty clear that Dante got hurt, which it's 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 kind of hard because a um it's a it's a tough blow for Dante because I mean this dude is unbelievably good and he's had a couple bad string he's had another he, speaking of bad luck he's one of those guys that suffered that um, but in a sense um, I kind of think like while it's weird to say I think this might be good for him because it's very clear like when when Darius got back uh, earlier this year. And top flight was starting to get uh, used a lot more. Like, like, like you could see like a definite push for top flight to be included in that top five AEW tag teams uh, section. Um, and then Darius got in the car accident, which threw a whole wrench on everything like that. And Dante, the last time Darius got hurt, was able to shine in that area where he had way more of an open spot to get uh, a lot of attention and make a singles run, but. <sighs> This time around, he kind of was treading water a little bit because they were like, "Well, we were planning on using you with Darius, and now we kind of it's an it's unfortunate thing is like our plans got thrown awry, and we kind of don't know what to do at this point." Um, so hopefully, uh, whatever this injury is, or however long it keeps him out for, 
gives enough time for him and Darius to come back as a unit, and then that way they can kind of go back to working their way up the tag division or maybe even work their way into finding a third to have a trios run since those titles will be coming out very soon. Um, so I don't think this is going to be that much of a, I won't be super hard on Dante, but it is another string of bad luck for the Martins because they've, they have just not been able to get going consistently. Um, even with Dante with his really good singles run from last year. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's tough break for him, but you know, still. Um, uh, hold on just a second. All good. Uh, yeah, no, but uh, it's tough break for him. Uh, I'm looking forward to him coming back here. That's the great thing about signing when you're 20. You know what I mean? It's like exactly oh, you get hurt. Oh, how old are you now? Oh, I'm 21. You know, you still got your whole career ahead of you. Dante wasn't that much older. I think he's only a couple years older. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what they do, uh, here, uh, what they do going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we then moved on to a backstage segment with Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh saying how they had unfinished business with the best friends since obviously, uh, Jay Lethal was not able to get the job done against Samoa Joe. He's not the AEW television champion. Joe still holds that title. And, the best friends were there, and they challenged them to a trios match. Uh, and Satnam Singh was basically coerced into making it a trios match. Uh, and uh, he was like, "Fuck! Why I didn't want to be in this match? Shit! Damn it! I'm like I didn't want to wrestle. God damn it! Um, so like, why didn't you stop me? So I thought that was kind of good." But then we get to the thing that most every there was like a lot of things people were talking about from this week on Dynamite. But uh, the first time we heard from Jungle Boy since his return the week prior, uh, and when he finally was able to go after Christian Cage until he ran like a scalded dog. Um, Floyd, do you want to take this one, or do you want me to go ahead with it, dude? Uh, this promo uh, as a person. I think I should do it because I'm a person that has never been high on Jungle Boy. Right? Go ahead, then. Yeah. So I, I, you know, uh, I, I got, I got, you know, you know, big guy brain, you know, and you know, Jungle Boy's not that big, and and then I was like, okay, well, if you're not that big, you gotta have charisma, right? And I was like, eh. And then it was like he can't really cut a promo. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it, oh my god. And like this promo, this promo, this whole thing that he cuts should be uh like like the advertisement that if you're a young wrestler come to AEW because if you look at, you know, he was basically his character didn't talk, right? And then a few times they tried to make him talk, he came off really uncomfortable to what he delivered this past Wednesday. He called, uh, he called, I honestly don't remember everything he called him, but the first thing he's like, did he say he was a pussy? Yep, he said, Christian Cage, you are the biggest pussy I've ever met in my entire life. And the way he delivered that line was like, oh my god, a switch has flipped. This is not Jungle Boy. This is Jack Perry. I've said this over the last three weeks that I felt like the transition was coming and this promo probably like really uh this promo really drove that home 
And since you have kind of the notes of what he said, I'm going to let you talk about what he said, and then I'll give my reaction to what he said. Yep. So he he said how he's watched him for weeks talk about all sorts of bullshit about his entire family. He's like, congrats. You are now the most relevant you've been in your entire career, but now that I'm back here, you turn your tail and run. And he's like, I didn't get why you were so angry at me. You said it was because I threw you out of some battle royal like a year ago and you missed out on some bonus because you didn't win the match. He's like, for a guy who's had a career as long as you, like, that shouldn't be an issue for you. But he's like, then it got him to thinking and he realized you must have been strapped for cash because your wife just divorced your ass and... Uh, Christian, uh, he described him as like a typical, like mustache twirling bad guy from a movie. He's like, you know, the guys with the turtlenecks and the small pricks fucking killer line. Um, and also I think he did a moment where he looked at his, uh, he's like, Hey, look, it's fine. Maybe that's the reason why his wife divorced him. And then did the motion of the call me like full, full on playing Christian's game in that regard. Um, and then he's like, he made it clear. Well, first off, he said he was using Luchasaurus to protect him, but like that's my best friend. And Christian didn't realize that he was only being protected from me by Luchasaurus because no one's going to get their hands on him before I do. Um, and then he said also, your goal was clearly to hurt me. It's like, if you wanted to talk trash, talk trash. I can take it. And that's when he started um, – kind of going a little bit more into talking about his uncle Dave, who he had to, uh, he was with his uncle Dave and he had to, uh, dig his father's grave with his own two hands. But by that point, Christian cage had already interrupted him and said, Luchasaurus, you've made a big mistake. You threw away everything to remain Lo- jungle boys lap dog. He's like, you think I ran? Cause I was scared. I was scared of what I might do to you. That was all. He's like, look, all your secrets you've already told me, and I'm going to prey on you. And that's when he left. Um, so I'm expecting we'll probably get a, a big development in that storyline on this upcoming episode of Dynamite. But that was all that was said. Huge promo moment. Once again, another young star defying moment for AEW that shows that, like, listen, the future of this company is in good hands. The young guys here, they are looking good. Yeah, when he's main eventing all out in five years, they're going to be showing this promo and clips from this because this was the star, like, He's had some moments where I'd say this was a star-making moment, but this was his moment where it's like, I am a complete professional wrestler. I am a complete entertainer. I can put on great matches in the ring, but when it's time, I can show the emotion and get across the uh, energy that I need to get across because I fully expect when them they have a match for it to be a fight, it's not going to be a wrestling match. I'm looking forward to it. Christian's playing, you know, Christian's playing his part well. And this is like the goal was when Christian gets the Jungle Boys to help him elevate. And without even touching yet, without even having a match, Christian, well, I know they touched, you know, Christian attacked Jungle Boy. Never mind. But without having a match, Christian has already elevated Jungle Boy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't know why my mic's being stupid. Yeah, no, Christian is, they've already made this feud like super interesting, like from the jump without these two having a match or anything like that. And they haven't even been able to get physical with each other for the most part since uh, Christian attacked him. So 
this the build is going to be outstanding for this i'm so unbelievably excited uh for how this develops um but then we had a backstage segment with brandon cutler running the cutler cam on the young bucks they did not want to be on camera and they were clearly very much like guy cutler come on stop and it's like uh Cutler's like, come on, guys, the trios championship got announced. That should be exciting for you guys. And I think, hey, look, man, I'm a great lackey. I, I'm a guy that can take all the damage. So, like, I would be great for that. And he's like, no, we're not winning a championship with you. And he's like, they were intrigued by it. And then you had a full on, like, awkward, like, oh, our old ex bumped into us uh, with the Bucks bumping into Hangman. And they're like, oh, hey, man. Um, oh, oh, hey, happy happy birthday. And then Nick, he paid, Hangman was like, oh, yeah, Nick, happy birthday to you too, man. And they were like, Matt was like, listen, man, like, I'm so, there was something we've been meaning to talk to you about. And then the Dark Order comes over like, hey, man, happy birthday, Hangman. It's like, hey, is this called you got in trouble? And he's like, no, 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 guys, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, can you guys go? And the Bucks were like, no, guys, hey, have a great birthday. Um, we'll see you later. And then they walked off the conversation that is left. Like, <laughs> I love, I love how like awkward it was. And like, I've consistently said like the way that the elite interacts with each other, um, is some of my favorite character stuff that's done in AEW. Cause these guys, they've worked so hard at, at getting their characters figured out and stuff like that. And, um, through all through being the elite and through like the years of AEW and the years of the elite being the hottest things in wrestling. Um, I just love how they interact and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, this was a cute little thing. Honestly, I thought this was really nice. And, um, it again, put the mind in people's heads. Are we going to see the hung bucks reunite for a shot at those trios championships? I, I wonder that. And it's just, it seems like, AEW doesn't really like start something and not finish it, so it feels like we are going to see the Hung Bucks at some point. Yeah, no, I would. I am very much like, yeah, I'm excited to see. Uh, uh, I'm very much excited to see if we get to see more of the Hung Bucks. And uh, we then had a handicap match between Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling against one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Swerve Strickland. Um, and Keith Lee was banned from ringside for this. Um, and this was fine, honestly. This was fine enough. I mean, like, it's very clear Mark Sterling was going to get used and made his joke or whatnot. Um, but basically, behind after the after the match, Josh Woods blindsides Keith Lee. And then when Swerve sees this on the big screen, uh, Nice knocks out Swerve Strickland with the tag team titles. And I'm just like, huh. Okay, so this is what they're doing, like, for their first kind of defense? Like, really? Honestly? Like, I'm like, eh, I'm not really... I get that they've had the weird thing with uh, uh, Smart Mark Sterling trying to ban Swerve Strickland from AEW with his petition, and then they had the whole thing from last week with Kevin Gates, like, slugging the fuck out of Tony Nese. Like, he... That whole grabbing him by, like, the chain... By the brought by the chain and then just fucking clocking him i was just like jesus christ um but uh but yeah no i'm uh, i don't uh i honestly think you could have gotten somebody else way more involved and i honestly think the reason as to why because you would have thought like you you would have gotten a top five team to go after them and like listen i like i like tony niece i do and mark sterling is a good uh comedy like manager sort of uh 
but like, is this really what we're doing with Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee when they just won the titles? Like, like as their first thing, it's like, I kind of was hoping for something a little bit better, but like at the same time though, it's like, hopefully this is a stopgap thing. And then like, we start building towards what they do at, uh, at all out because this needs to be like donezo, like pretty quickly because I'm like, I don't need, I don't need to see this. I am so happy because you sound like old man Floyd right now. <laughs> we got too many real tag teams in AEW. We do. For you to Josh the Good or the Woods and Tony Nice. I mean, are, are we building to a Rampage like second match? It's not even the main event of Rampage. It wouldn't even be the first match of Rampage. It would be like the third match of Rampage. No one wants to see Swerve and Keith Lee versus Tony Nese and Josh the Woods. They're great. They're great. I like Josh Woods. Thinks he's talented. Thought he was a hell of a pure champion. Love Tony Nese. Thinks he's talented. Thought he was a hell of a 205 live champion. I'm not disparaging them as individuals. No. Or as wrestlers. I'm disparaging them as a tag team because you have all these built in tag teams in AEW that, you know, that you can. You don't need, yeah, no, you don't need to be making new, like, fucking, like, spur of the moment tag teams to go against your tag team champions. Like, 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 you know who could have been really good at trying to get a quick feud uh, in right now? Private fucking party private party you have the dark order if you wanted to do reynolds and silver if you wanted to do uh the kings of the black throne you want to do anybody would be a better first challenger than what seems like it's coming now tk could be like okay he could kind of be teasing that and then we get a real tag team but like at this point in time what it looks like i'm like why are we still doing swerve Swerve and our glory are at the top of the tag team division AEW, which arguably is the best tag team division in the world. They need to be treated as such. Absolutely. And look, you got Private Party wrestling on elevation. Like, fucking put them in a feud with Swerve and Keith Lee. Like, it's like, it doesn't have to be your feud going into All Out, but like, come on, get them involved. Yeah, because at least like fans, yeah, they might not think they win, but at least they'll give you fucking great matches, and then it's already established tag team against established tag team. Like I don't understand why. Like if we look at the power rankings as of last week, um, look at that. You've got Ten and Evil Uno. Like even uh, Menard and Parker, they got thrown, they got upped into the top five right there. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
Um, and of course, we can't have Hobbs and Starks because they they're going to be going after each other. But like you tell me, Private Party couldn't be thrown in there anywhere. Even Butcher and Blade would have been fine. Like I don't think it would have been like earth shattering. Like oh, like that's a not the best first feud. But okay, but like Nice and 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 Josh, that's like really. Like again, no disrespect to Nice or Josh Woods. I like them both perfectly fine. But like fans are not used to seeing them in a tag position and to see them get bum rushed going after the tag team champions, it kind of is like what the fuck is that? Yeah, maybe it'll be a eliminator match where they're not really getting a title shot, they're getting a shot at the shot, you know, they kind of like, Maybe ah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not excited about that being the first thing that the tag team champions are into. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm. I'm. I get, there's got to be something better than that. But moving on from that, um, we uh, had Malachi Black talking about the Redeemer since he came out and actually was protecting Darby Allen uh, after. Uh, after uh, he actually wasn't protecting Darby Allen. He just came out and he was staring down uh, Malachi Black after the match was over uh, between Brody King and Darby Allen, uh, and he said like Malachi said the Redeemer was worshiping the throne, but. Um, he could help him take his place and sit on the throne. Um, and then Brody King said he wanted to face Darby Allen in a coffin match because when you feud with Darby Allen, it all ends in a coffin match one way or the other. It just makes sense. Absolutely. Gotta land in a coffin match. And, At know, least once. The yep. king of the coffin match. But then we had the rematch for the AEW Women's World Championship between Thunder Rosa and Mia Yamashita. So this was a match that took place in Japan, um, and we got to see a rematch of these two, um, and it was good. I thought these two did a good job, um, and it was a nice retain for Thunder Rosa, continuing to uh, uh, showcase herself, because I believe Mia Yamashita uh, beat Thunder Rosa to get a shot at the championship, um, which I will say, not one of my favorite things. I'm not a huge fan of uh, champions... uh, I mean, a challenger for championships, winning a match to guarantee them a match because you you just gave away the championship match already. We've seen this already. Um, but to be fair, it was in Japan, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, this was still a good match. Um, I like I like me. I think she's uh, pretty solid. Uh, Thunder Rosa, again, is great. Um, and yeah, it was good. Um, hopefully... We see a little bit more development in the women's world championship picture um, because uh, we're starting to see a little bit more with uh, Athena and Jade Cargill, which I like because that's my women's feud right now that I need to see more of because I'm dying to see more of that. Um, But yeah, uh, hopefully we see more developments in the women's roster because, again, it's still the weakest point in AEW, unfortunately. It's coming. It's coming. It (laughs) seems like there is more threads to it um you know uh i just see more like a uh, more outside type of influences as far as you know with ty and anna jay and all of those people coming in so i d- i do think we are in a good position to really establish the women's division but it's so funny how you know things that happen somewhere else can affect it because you know, pretty much people were writing two names like they're oh they're on the way to AEW guaranteed. That might Ooh, not be happening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not so fast for my friend. 
Like yeah. people were counting the ninety days, they had their little calendars up on the. They were waiting for the official future endeavors tweet. Yes, and it's just like, uh, no, maybe not. Maybe not. All of a sudden, one old bastard billionaire retires, and then uh, bridges can be mended. It seems. So in the women's division, this was kind of a much needed match because, you know, it was just a really good wrestling match. Sure. And yeah. It is just like. I I, I, tr- I gotta tell people it's like sometimes you know just gotta have a good match and this was a good match it w- was it a great match was it like oh my god match of the year no it was just a solid match a solid defense someone to beat your champion the champion got her win back kept her title moved on uh, gonna move on to the next feud this was a great stop yeah to get you all out yeah. But then we move on to the main event, the return of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, from injury facing uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society's Daniel Garcia. Um, first off, Dan- that boy Garcia be getting lots of main events on Dynamite. Very cool for him. Um, Danielson got a bunch of welcome back chants, which is great. And he also like went right in after the match and proceeded to hit a uh, tope suicida uh, as things were just getting right then and going. Um, Jericho's on commentary. Heh, okay, sure, whatever. Um, but eventually, though, as the match is going on and Danielson is rolling, um, he hit a missile drop kick uh, on Garcia and then, like, was selling, like, ooh, I might have knocked the wind out of me a bit, or ooh, I kind of took a hard hit on that. And Garcia immediately proceeded to go and beat the shit out of uh danielson and that's when he stumbled and rolled to the floor and uh was uh ddt on the floor and then that's when danielson was in a lot of trouble got busted open um brian was still working his way out of it though and just proceeded to get the roundhouse kicks into garcia and um as the match was going on and danielson was really getting there because um, after Brian uh, got hit with a pile driver, he was put into a leg lock. Uh, and then um, it was after uh, he was uh, going to go with a diving knee. Somebody grabbed him from uh, on his leg. And that's when he got hit with the pile driver and got put into a leg lock. Danielson passes out and Daniel Garcia gets the biggest like shock upset win. He beats Brian Danielson. And it was with the help of Jake Hager, who is under the ring, who grabbed Brian Danielson. And the American Dragon gets beat by Daniel Garcia. And there's another young guy who is being put in a position where he is being used a ton. And he is getting a lot of shine. And he just beat Brian Danielson. I mean, yes, Hager absolutely helped. But still... That's pretty that's pretty pretty crazy in that fact because that does not happen a lot whether it be from uh, outside interference or whether it be from clean as a whistle like in a match like Danielson and, and Garcia like the over like the the money line would have literally been like 8 uh, minus 800 Danielson is literally what that bet would have been like so if you bet on Garcia you are in the green Dude, like, and AEW sets this up perfectly because they don't do a lot of upsets. They just don't. No, you know, like honestly, 
a lot of the matches end the way that you think they're going to end. Or if they're two even people, it can go either way. But, you know, when you have someone that's slated where Brian Danielson is, like Brian Danielson has lost to, Brian Danielson has lost to, uh, let's see, Hangman. <laughs> you know? That's kind of it. <laughs> that's kind of it. He's lost to Hangman. That's the only person, the other person, like, to beat him in a singles match, I believe. No, in Moxley. Hangman and Moxley. That's a who's who of AEW. You now add Garcia to that list of people that have beat, you know, Brian Danielson in one-on-one competition. That's how you elevate a career. Uh, this match was violent. They told the story from beginning to end. Jericho, a lot of times you get people like, well, Jericho's screaming on commentary. It's taken away from the match. He completely sold that Brian yeah. Anderson came back too early. He kept saying it. He came back too early. He came back too early. He set up the slip on the banana peel. You saw Garcia go after the neck and the head area. DDT on the outside of the ring. Pile driver. Moves he doesn't normally do, but he is going after Brian Danielson because he clearly has a weakness. And in the end, when you talk about selling the head, he put him put you in the sharpshooter with the lean back uh and he passes out. He just like he can't stay awake. And that's how Garcia wins. This is a perfectly told upset story. This is a this is uh, a national champion in college football showing up without their quarterback. This is uh, <laughs> this is like you know, this is uh, like what happens when a basketball when a player plays like on a messed up leg or something like this. It's just it, you. The story has been told so many times in sports. You take advantage of a weakened opponent, and that's what happened. And man, it it was such an impactful moment. Uh, and please take it for what it is. You can say interference, all that stuff. This was a truly elevating moment for Garcia. Uh, you you have to see him on a different level. He's not going to be taking L's like he's been doing for the last you know year. It's not an automatic L when he's in the ring. He put down Dan. Uh, he put down Brian Danielson. He's actually the toughest Daniel I've ever seen in wrestling. Ever. Yeah. He took he took he beat up the other toughest Daniel, so he is now the toughest Daniel in wrestling. At this point, yeah, honestly, <laughs> it seems like it. But what a fucking dynamite it was! Genuinely, like this was a really good show. Considering what last the week before was, this was great. Complete bounce back episode, and it's just like it almost is like man. AEW should just throw a stinker out there on purpose because, man, when they come back and hit you hard, it was like, oh, my God, this is why I watch wrestling. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's how I felt after that show. Yeah, it was outstanding. But we'll move quickly over to Fight for the Fallen Rampage. Uh, We opened up with the trios match between Best Friends and Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt. Um, and honestly, it was good. I'm glad that we had more of uh, Satnam, uh, Satnam Singh included uh, because, honestly, I liked getting to see more of him because I saw him uh, for a dark episode uh, when we were in Detroit. And I liked what I saw, honestly. I thought he looked all right, and I, want, I was like, okay, cool, so let's, let's see more of him. I want to get more uh, idea of him so that way I can kind of get a bit of an uh, idea of it. And, uh, yeah, no, I thought he looked good. And it, this was obviously a very good way for uh, 
uh, Orange Cassidy to quickly uh, get Sanjay Dutt for the win for Best Friends, but then afterwards, Satnam Singh could just beat the shit out of everybody, which he did, and he proceeded to get Orange Cassidy up. Jay Lethal came out and hit the lethal injection while he was being held up, and then um, Orange Cassidy was getting the shit kicked out of him, but then Wardlow comes out, the TNT champion, and he comes out and stops that, and yeah, if we're going to get Wardlow versus Jay Lethal or Wardlow versus uh, Satnam Singh, uh, that should be very interesting. But uh, I will say uh, probably would lean more towards uh, Jay and Wardlow because while Satnam Singh shows promise, I'm still not 100% sold yet. I mean, he can take a powerbomb, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh, no I, I remember Wardlow used to do that move where he set you on the top ropes and then need you in the face. It's yeah. almost like a perfect move for Satnam Singh because you know you're gonna have to pull him down to your size. But I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Satnam Singh is a developmental wrestler. That's what he very is. much so. You you keep him out there. The great thing with someone that size, though, even though it's 2022 and everybody's expecting super athletic stuff, when you're that exceptionally large, you don't have to do much. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like. Yeah, a body slam. You know, like, like you know, he doesn't need a top rope. He is a top rope. <laughs> you know? Yes. And so it's like, even a body slam is coming from the height of a top rope. Everything he's doing. And he's really athletic. You see it now. It's like that he's maintained his athleticism. He can move very gracefully. So you can see like the makings of a future star there. And you think that's what you're supposed to do when you're de- when you're developing someone. You can see the makings of a future star. But no, I wouldn't throw him in there with Wardlow anytime soon. It's just you know, he he's you know, have him beating up people on dark and stuff. This needs to be building to J uh, J Lethal versus Wardlow. Yeah. As you stated. Exactly. Yeah, you can save that. Give it some time, and then we'll eventually get it. But yeah, no, Jay and uh, Wardlow, that should be outstanding, because I think that will be a great feud. Um, We then had a quick match between Ethan Page and Leo Ruffin. Um, That was basically a good quick win for Ethan Page as a singles wrestler. Um, Makes sense, honestly. So so they're trying to get over, because Leon Ruff and Ethan Page had a match on Dark or Elevation, where uh, Ruff took him to the limit, right? So in this match on Rampage, they were really trying to uh, build up the no-nonsense Ethan Page. That he's yes. not playing around, he's not having fun. You know, I know you did this last time, but I'm going to destroy you this time. And <laughs> I believe someone was watching from the back. Stokely, Stokely and Layla Gray was. Yeah, Mr. Stokely Hathaway. He seems to be trying to build up his clientele, not just with Jay Cargill. He is looking at other wrestlers. So I am really enjoying this. I'm this is what Stokely is used for. This is his role in, in wrestling. You know what I mean? He is you know, in a lot of ways he could be, you know, that Bobby Heenan family type character, but he's gonna do it with Stokely Hathaway style and wit and just amazing ability on the mic. So I am looking forward to where this is going. Yeah. We then had a backstage interview with uh, Cole Carter until QT in the factory comes out. And uh, they were like, listen, Cole, you got some potential. We'd like you to join the factory. And he's like, QT was like, look, sleep on it. Then you can decide. 
So Cole Carter may be looking uh, okay. to be getting involved in some way and with the factory. We, and we, since we are at Wednesday and dark and dark elevation already happened, Cole Carter joined the factory. So he did. There you yeah, go. Yeah. So I could give that update that he uh, he uh, pinned Serpentico and then in a backstage interview, basically joined the factory. I don't know if he really joined because the factory was like surrounding him. And it looked like they were going to beat the crap out of him if he didn't join. But he's like, yeah, I'm joining. And they shook hands. So I was like, I want to see where this goes, if it's a real join or if it's a red herring. So that kind of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we then had a teacher versus student match in the form of Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty. Um, and this was good. This is a good little match for Rampage. Uh, the teacher would end up taking the loss as uh Lee Moriarty was able to get Matt Seidel to tap out with the Border City stretch. Um, and yeah, this was a pretty good m- move. And then again, Stokely Hathley once again came out to the ring during the match. And uh, he tried to interfere in this match, grabbing uh, Matt Seidel's leg. Um, and that gave Lee Moriarty the chance to uh, get the win in that regard. Um, but yeah, Stokely once again continuing to involve himself as he proceeded to hand Lee Moriarty his business card, and this time around, Lee actually took it. So, his clientele might be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, and it was cool, because that's the thing. If you, you take his card, then, you know, that means you're in. And I thought Yeah, that that's was, the selling point, yeah. yeah that's, that's, how that you, was, that's how you see it happen. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, as in, uh, that's a cool way to, uh, that's a cool way to, for someone to join. Yeah. No way. Um, and then we had the in-ring interview with the brand new Ring of Honor World Champion, Claudio Castagnoli, getting some great You Deserve It chants. Um, he then started saying, um, thank you, because many times I doubted myself. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. Uh, you guys were always there for me. It feels amazing and an honor to stand in front of you as the new ROH World Champion. He said, I promise you this is just the beginning, but... Someone else had a tremendous night last Saturday at Death Before Dishonor, which was the fellow Blackpool Combat Club, and still your ROH Pure Champion, Wheeler Yuta, and then Chris Jericho comes out, and he's just like, no, you expect me to sit at this desk and listen to all you guys chant for Yuta and chant for Claudio, and um, you know what you deserve, Claudio? My boot, and that's when Yuta comes out, says, uh, no, shut up. Um, I know you're going to say sports entertainment beats pro wrestlers every time, uh, except for Saturday when I beat your boy Daniel Garcia to retain this championship. And my confidence has been really built up with that match. And he says, I know I can beat Daniel Garcia. And Chris, I'm pretty sure I can beat you too. And Jericho's like, you think you can beat the great Chris Jericho? And you're just like, yeah. And Jericho's like, you can't beat me ever, so you want your chance? How about Jericho Yuta on Dynamite this upcoming Wednesday? And Yuta goes, nah. And Jericho goes, you don't want a match with Chris Jericho? And he's like, I, and you just like, I don't need a match. I know I can beat you. And he's like, you know what? I'm so sure I can beat you. I'm going to put my title match uh, shot versus John Moxley at Quake at the Lake, Quake by the Lake. If you beat me, you get the title shot. So Jericho, Yuta, if you win, you get my title shot against Moxley at Quake by the Lake. And he's like, that was easier than I thought, guys. Go ahead. Yeah, you're on. And Jericho's just like, oh, boy, he, he baited me. And um, I thought that was a great little bit of a promo and it gives a little bit of uh urgency to the match too honestly i think i think this was a cool little uh, thing to have because even if yuda doesn't win um 
it's fine. It's fine because Jericho versus Moxley is still an outstanding match. But if he if Yuta does win and we get BCC versus BCC for the AEW World Championship, there is an interesting level because we've already seen a bit of this before with Yuta facing the Blackpool Combat Club members before he joined. So it gives you at least the mindset of like, ooh, what if it could be both? But I'm pretty sure Yuta loses on Wednesday. You know what's even awesome is that it's canon that Jericho can be tricked into a match. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Scorpio Scott, that's how he got his first match. It was, yeah, yes. he tricked Jericho in a match. It's like canon that if you piss Jericho off enough, he'll make a bad move, and especially in the heat of the moment. He's like, that's easier. And even when he said that was easier than I thought, I was just like, yeah, that's what that's what Scorpio Sky said. That's so awesome. Uh, just I just love the little callbacks. You know, you didn't need to know if you haven't watched AEW from the beginning, but for the people that have watched AEW from the beginning, it was a nice little callback. Yes, it was. Um, and then we proceeded to get uh, the debut of the brand new music video from the one and only. The acclaimed, and they were doing a match. Uh, they were doing the video by a dumpster and a dump truck, and was basically doing all this shit when they were rapping. And they challenged uh, the one and only uh, Ass Boys, the Gun Club, to a dumpster match on Dynamite. So the video was honestly okay. I dug the beat of the of the uh, song they did. Uh, I don't remember all of the bars that uh, Max said, but. Uh, Regardless, I thought the video was kind of funny and um, the beat I dug. Um, but yeah, so we were going to get a dumpster match. Um, Got to say, not the type of stipulation I was expecting, but I saw Shark Cage a little while ago, which was also a thing I didn't expect to see. So you know what? Dumpster match. Dude, sure. I, I was, Why the hell not? I've been calling this for weeks and then I've seen his latest Twitter and comments on Twitter. So I know it's not going to happen. But it would have been so cool if Road Dog would have came down with uh, the acclaimed. But yeah, uh, Road Dog is like been doing old man wrestling, talking about AEW. So I don't think that invites in the mail. You know what I mean? Yeah, so uh, that sucks. And it's so funny. So he's trashing AEW, and then he says, "Well, I've been looking out, trying to get him to hire me. I wouldn't know why they want to hire me." I'm like, "Huh?" Why yeah, what? You, what? <laughs> Your company sucks and you don't know what you're doing. I can fix it. Hire me. No, no, no. I don't think that's how it works with OTK. Uh you know, I you know, I love my TK, but he's a bit thin skinned. So yes. talking talking shit about him isn't the way to uh get him to hire you. No that might have worked at your old employer. He liked to be challenged. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, so it's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, it may have, but it would have been perfect, you know. The music is, you know, got the ass boys, and you got Mr. Ass out in the ring, and then oh, you know, you don't even have to have the exact same beat, but he says, like, oh, you didn't know, you know, you know, yeah, and they come out there with them, that would have been cool, but yeah, he fucked it up. That guy fucked yeah. it up. Had to beg, had to beg, <laughs> beg, 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 beg. Yes. Yeah, so no, uh, I'm looking forward to this match. Actually, I, you know, Austin and Colton have amazing, uh, like amazing. Uh, what am I thinking of? Like charisma. They, they're like, they put their total effort into everything. Like 
when they were getting made fun of. They were doing, you know, like when how they would play it up and how much it bothered them made every like bar and them calling them the ass bars. It as boys, it worked. This feud worked because, uh, not because of you know Max's raps, which of course they are great, but. The reaction of the ass boys now to yes. the wrong city and all that stuff, they just put everything in it. So I'm actually interested in this feud and what way it goes. I personally would like to see the ass boys win, maybe challenge for the tag team titles. But we're going to see going forward, you know, just what happens with them. But I do like Austin Colton are amazing. Uh, Platinum Max, I mean, I can't say enough words about him. Anthony Bowens. A really, really amazing wrestler, and you know he does this. You know he he does that. The claim has arrived, and you know so much passion and everything. So uh, these are four guys that have been around for a long time. I remember Austin cheering as hard as he can in uh, in the audience, and you know Platinum X the raps, and him and Anthony Bowen kind of throwing together, and then making it making the claim work. So it's just like these are like they're AEW guys. So I really want to see this match work well. Absolutely. And so do I. I think it should hopefully be a lot of fun. Um, But yeah. And then we moved on to the main event of Dynamite and I mean of Rampage, in fact. And the main event was another JAS member, the newest uh, member, Anna JAS versus Ruby Soho. And. Really quickly, Ruby tried to get the win immediately, but then proceeded to get uh, caught and then hit with an elbow by Ruby by Anna J. Um, they uh, worked at each other a lot. Ruby still selling the injured hand that she had from the car door, um, and that was being used for a good bit of the match, including the point where the cats got pulled off and uh, was just beaten up on it. Um, but regardless, Ruby Soho was still fighting out, looking for uh, her finisher over and over and over again. Uh, eventually, though, the Queen Slayer was put in, and uh, Ruby was still able to get out of it. New, no future kick. And then that's when she went to go on the top rope and tried to hit the senton. Anna moved, grabbed the cast, used it on Ruby to use the Queen Slayer, and Ruby Soho taps out for Anna J to get get the victory. Um, And yeah, pretty good way to close off Rampage. Um, considering Anna J has this whole new character and everything like that. For her, this win was pretty necessary, but man, Ruby, 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 I'm uh, I'm starting to get a little nervous, honestly, because I I love Ruby Soho, I really do. I think she's great, um, but you're definitely getting a little bit of a worrisome, like, hey, you know, let's let's not forget about Ruby. Let's 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 use her pretty well. Let's not just use her as the friend of you know Eddie Kingston. Let's 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 use Ruby Soho for a reason. Um, and I will say again, this is an instance where now that we're seeing on SummerSlam itself, Bailey and Dakota Kai and Io Shirai or Io Sky or whatever the hell they're calling her. Um, now that we're seeing those girls back on the women's roster, um, for WWE, like there's, it's just, again, it's like, I'm looking at that and I'm like, guys, like we got to do a little bit here. Like, like, I'm not asking you to make the women's roster on par with WWE because clearly you don't have the time to do that. Um, quite honestly, I don't even think you want to do that, really. It seems like AEW has made it very clear, like, listen, 
women's wrestling isn't our focus. It's just it's just not. They've they've kind of treated women's wrestling in the way of like like in the way that it goes like right now at the bottom of the level is New Japan even though they just did a deal with Stardom, which is great. They should and I think that's awesome. You got them, then AEW, then miles ahead is WWE with the women's division. Um and I thought Ruby was one of those girls when she got there that could really benefit in AEW. And she had some strides, but hadn't had a ton of success as of late. And I'm hoping that she can kind of get a bit of a bounce back because I would like to see her do a good amount because I like Ruby. And, like, it's the same feeling I have with Athena. I want to make sure Athena's used well, too, because I was fucking screaming for Athena to get signed because I was like, there's a girl who could help you with your women's division. And since we're pretty certain right now, you're probably not getting Sasha Banks and Naomi anymore. Um, so let's let's see what you guys can do with the girls you have here. And listen, Ruby's a commodity. I'd like to see her used as one. Well, maybe this is her story. I know. I mean, listen, I know that argument. And yeah, I, it very well could be. Um, but at least what's presented with me right now. Yeah. I, I would like to see Ruby use, be used a little bit more properly. But if this is the story and if it builds to that, I will, again, I will I will eat my words. I will say, listen, I was impatient, whatever. But I'm telling you what I have right now. And oh, no, no, I, that's, why I said, that's why I'm saying now I'm getting a bit worried. I'm not saying right now that she's being ruined, but I would just like her to, hey, let, let's throw Ruby a bone. I would like Ruby to get thrown a bone. Yeah, it's like the fan-friendly person that, you know, it's kind of getting bullied right now by the uh, by the uh, by the heels. Yeah, the heels or the you know the you know the popular girls. You know that she's getting bullied, and you know, and eventually, you know, she's with the ragtag group of Santana and Eddie Kingston, and she fits in that group. Those are her people. You know, she like he. He's like she's dragged me out of bar fights. I mean, that's her role. You know, in this rule, and I think eventually, you know. She can come out on top, and that would be a great story. But you know, she's kind of eating crap right now. And I'm, I mean, I'm kind of digging it because you're like in my head, I can see where it's going, and I think it's a really cool story to tell if it goes that way, which you know doesn't always happen. Now, as far as the women's division, it's just I I can say this like I I would need to see numbers. I I just like AEW. When they draw, it's always with who they, you know, their normal guys, the bigger names, that kind of stuff. So I want the women's division to be amazing. And they have trademarked the uh, name All Elite Women, which a lot of people have said led them to believe that there's going to be a women's AEW wrestling show, which I would be all for, all for, because I'm all for women's wrestling. But it's just. You have to do what draws, especially when you're a fairly young company. You know what I mean? WWE can say, WWE has that right where they can just put on what they put on to make a statement or whatever. But AW has to draw. They they have numbers to hit every week. So I don't know. I, I think I love Brit. I love Thunder. I love all of them. And I think they can draw. I do. And I you know, like one of my favorite matches was one of uh, the street fight with uh, T- TJ uh, when they were in the street fight against Penelope and I forgot who the other person was in that match, but it was a fight. And I like it, so let's do more of that. 
And I like that we're getting more matches and more feuds which don't have to do with the title, which I think is important to building your Absolutely. women's roster. So you know, like right now, there's a clear out, a clear story. Uh, Chris Statlander and Athena are a group. Chris is going to go after the world title. Athena wants to end Jade Strick. So that's good. Then you have Britt who wants to, uh, Britt who wants to get her title back from Thunder Rosa. And you got Jamie that probably wants the TNT title. So you have a lot of threads there. And it's just once it all comes together, I think it'll do what it has to do. It's just like, but I don't think it's going to be this defining like moment where it's like, oh, the women's division is there. It's just going to be gradual and there's going to eventually be more matches and it's just, you're going to have to, you know, like everybody's got to be patient. We had the big moment with Thunder Rosa winning the title in her hometown. And I thought that was, you know, I believe that was the main event, right? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. And it's just like, you're going to get more moments like that. But you got to build to them. And, you know, once we get Penelope Ford back, who's out injured, and, you know, get some more people in it. and I was, Yeah, from the Japanese side of things. Yeah, the Japanese side. You see Layla Gray. They seem to be slowly bringing her on. It's like, I think the women's division will be great, and especially if they get their own show uh, uh, where they can just get an hour of just telling women's stories, telling, uh, building the characters, cutting promos, you know, giving them time to perform. That would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like I said, a women's show would be interesting. I don't know exactly how long you could book for that because, again, like I said, you need a good amount of talent if you're going to have a whole show dedicated to just women's wrestling. So, like, you're going to really make need to make use of all of your women's talent, like, if you're going to do a show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll we'll see if they're able to to make that happen if that ends up being the case. Um, but yeah, if it means using the women in a more prominent way, yeah. And if they do do a women's uh, show and y'all who are still screaming like the women's division sucks um, and we want it to be better, like then watch the show when it comes out. Like, yeah, practice what you preach. Yeah, it's that simple. Because I'm but, like, I'll tell anybody NXT puts on a ton of women's matches. A ton. I mean, one of their top stars is literally you got Mandy Rose and uh, her her group with Gigi Dolan and the other girl. Yeah. But then look at their weekly ratings. Very true, but also now, I, saying, I, 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 I attribute saying, that also I attribute that also to the NXT 2.0 as a brand itself. When I'm NXT rebranded, re- it was the worst thing it could have done. I'm saying vote with your vote with your views. You know what I mean? Watch it, support it. Don't you know? Like, like a lot of people ask for it, and then it was like, oh, so did you see that match? And they were like, well, no, I had to do this and this and this. I didn't get around to it. I'm like, the hell? <laughs> you got to you gotta vote with your eyes. You know what I mean? Vote with your remote. Vote with the time on Twitter and all that stuff. When stuff good happens, when matches good happen. Like tonight, they had a really good fatal four-way tag match on NXT. Get online. Talk about it. That's how you build the buzz that gets these people more TV time. Buy their merch. Uh, Top Row Tuesday this week is uh, Thunder Rosa. It is. Buy the merch. Like FTR. You know what got them on TV? They started selling shit. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like they're number one in they're number one on uh they're number one on pro wrestling tees, number one on uh shop AEW. That's how you get more TV time. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's what I'm saying. It's just what I'm saying is us as fans, other than getting on Twitter, hashtagging, you know, giving women a chance, there's other ways to put in action to get what you want. Yeah, absolutely. But regardless, that is AEW Fight for the Fallen Week. We now will move off to our preview for this upcoming episode of Dynamite that is airing tonight. We're getting the dumpster match between Gun Club and and, uh, the acclaimed. Christian Cage is going one-on-one with Matt Hardy. We're going to see the Powerhouse Hobbs in action. We'll probably hear from Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, Orange Cassidy versus Jay Lethal will be happening. I'm very interested in seeing that match. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Wheeler Yuta. If Jericho loses, Yuta gets to face Moxley for the AEW Interim to World Championship. Thunderstorm will be teaming to face uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And we get the return of Adam Cole and the return of the Undisputed Elite. Yes, uh, this is going to be, uh feel like another killer episode. Again, some of the some of the weapons are coming back. You got, yes. uh, you got Adam Cole coming back. I don't know if he's fully in wrestling gear, but I do know, I believe Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish are healthy. Um, you know, you're going to have Christian Cage versus Matt Hardy. Dude, this is it's always crazy to me because, you know, they've been wrestling against each other for 20-some-odd years now. Um, OC versus Jay Lethal. I, I, you know, that could go a different way. Uh, Thunder Rosa, I mean, Thunderstorm versus Britain at Jamie. Uh, that's that's gonna be fun. I I love anytime Jamie Hater is on my TV. I, I mean, I just love Jamie Hater and Brit, of course. And don't forget Rebel. Anytime she's on my TV, great day, great day for and, sure. And, yeah, no, but uh, yeah, it's a solid lineup that you know. It looks like it's a lot. Oh, and they did add John Moxley is going to address. Uh, address the crowd or address AEW as far as, I guess, talking about his title match from next week, if it happens. Yeah. All right. Well, then that will do it for the preview. And I think the well, last thing we'll just say is we can uh, pass it off to Floyd. I know we have a couple other headlines we want to talk about. All right. So last week, unfortunately, we didn't do a show. So it was also the show right after Death Before Dishonor. So I didn't get a moment to talk about uh, my tag team match, uh, FTR versus the Briscoes, two out of three falls. Uh, I had some friends over. Uh, I had the, the Terramona uh, Reposado in the freezer, and we sat down and enjoyed it. And, you know, we're, like, verbally, uh, like, reacting to things. I mean, good Lord, the match was so physical. It was so violent. Um, there was the... Um, just specific spots that I'm thinking about. I'm not going to go through the whole match, of course. Uh, when uh, they took the Doomsday device and almost, well, not almost, dropped da- Dax on his head. Uh, when in one motion, uh, Cash jumps up on the turnbuckle and then backdrops. I believe it was uh, Mark Briscoe. Through the table. I don't remember which Briscoe it was. I get them confused all the time. I thought they were twins for years, just to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. But then you had that epic in the ring moment where it's Jay Briscoe and uh, Dax, and they literally just start throwing throwing bombs 
just throwing bombs on each other. And Dax put up a thing that says, when your two uh, two uncles at the family reunion get tired of each other's shit. And yep. that was a perfect moment. And it was a perfect description of it. It was, you know, it's wrestling. But it looked, man, very much delved into the lines of fight. It was a war. It was a perfect match. FTR with a pile driver off the second rope. Uh, FTR gets the pin, uh, exhausted in the ring, beaten and bloody. They hug, they shake hands after the match. Uh, in true ROH Donner style. Uh, Dax goes out to the ring, and right next to in the back, he uh, pushed he pushed the fans out the way. And who comes and gives him the biggest hug in the world? Our friend Jax the Draw, Jackie Rodriguez. Yeah. Yes, in in uh in a moment that is even made more hilarious by our guy Caprice Coleman calling Jackie Dax's wife. <laughs> that is not the case. Uh, very much no. not the case, but it was hilarious because, of course, he literally moved them out the way to hug. If you think about in the annals of professional wrestling you generally only do that like for your family so i could see it wasn't a huge jump to conclusions no so I, I, could, I could see it but it it was funny jackie got her moment on tv she's like i thought the cameras are off and i was like no no the whole world saw it and that was awesome i'll tell you I, i'll tell you i there are a lot of wrestlers that are really good to their fans a lot of wrestlers that are really good to their fans because I'm not, I'm never going to say this. I'm like, I've met some of the nicest people in the world. Anna Jay remembers who I am every time I meet her. And it's just like, and then it's not like I'm this crazy Anna Jay fan. It's just every time it's just like, Hey Floyd, and you know, it's kind of cool. Just, you know, just putting that out there because I will put FTR on par with any of them. Yes. They take care of their fans. They, they, you know, they treat you just like normal people. But yeah, when you do stuff and you show up and they see that you're consistent, they get, they have your back. They're good guys. They're just really good dudes. And I don't say that a lot. I, I, I very much, me and you've had this conversation off. I try to separate, you know, entertaining and who you are as another person. And that I don't, for the most part, know you as a regular uh, regular person. You know, I, yes. I know the entertainment version of you. But they've kind of crossed to that line where I would venture to bet that they are actually good people. <laughs> you know? Yes. And that is, I would, I would vouch a, for that, too, probably. That's a big statement for me because I don't say stuff like that. You know, like, <laughs> so, uh, no, uh, that was just another cool once-in-a-lifetime moment, you know, that, you know, if she never goes to another match, you know, anytime she brings up, you know, death before dishonor, she has that moment. And that is freaking cool. And I couldn't be happier. But the match reached a whole nother level. I've literally watched it three times since the original debut. Uh, if you ask me which match is better, this match or uh, the one at Supercard of Honor. Well, one I was watching, uh, watching from Oklahoma to Massachusetts, and one I was 20 feet away. So which one do you think I'm going to think is better? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just like, it's, it, it's going to be my personal thing because I'm an emotional person, and of course, when you're in the building, 
that emotion is much higher than you're watching from TV, even though I really enjoyed the match immensely. Uh, I just thought it was perfect. It got another five-star match from Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer. Not that that means anything, but, you know, when they're voting at the end of the year and they're talking about Tag Team of the Year, that's going to come up. The weird thing is, though, everybody's talking about FTR's Tag Team of the Year, which, of course, I'm very biased opinion. I believe that. But the Briscoes have also been in two five-star yeah, let's not forget that they're also <laughs> takes you to tango. Yeah, the Briscoes have also been in two five star matches, and they have been the champions in uh, Impact, and they were the original. They were the ROH champions when they lost it, so they're having a hell of a year as a tag team too. So it's going to be fun at the end of the year to see who actually wins it. Uh, wins it, uh, but in, also in that show, uh, Claudio Castagnoli beat Jonathan Gresham and what would be the closest <laughs> thing to a Tony Khan squash match that you get. I mean, it was 10 minutes in and out. He just beat him. Uh, everybody was wondering what the fuck happened. You know, Jonathan Gresham didn't even come out with his oct- octopus mask. No, he did not. Yeah. So, uh, turns out, uh, the reports is that, uh, he, he did not like the way he was going to be booked by Tony Khan and they got an argument and he has to be released. And then that match happened. And then uh, it was also announced that Prince Nana, if you go back in the days of uh, ROH 2000s, uh, he always had like a faction of group of people. Well, he bought Tully Blanchard Enterprises. Yes. So uh, everybody under Tully Blanchard Enterprises is now under Prince Nana. And I forgot what the group is called. But they're part of his uh, organization. Uh, and it looks like reports are Jonathan Gresham and Tully Blanchard are no longer with ROH or AEW. Yes. And with with Tully, it seems with like, you know, he might be out of here and might be done, done for the, done for a career. Yeah. Um, and then for, for for Gresham, it's a bit different. Yeah. Uh, and shout out to Tully. Did a lot for early yes. AEW, the pinnacle. He was the tag. He was the manager when FTR won their fa- first tag team belts. He did a lot for AEW. I don't know. This was like a mutual decision. Maybe he didn't feel like traveling. I don't know. I absolutely don't know anything. I say is speculating. But thank you, Tully, for everything yes. that you've d- done and been involved with AEW. Uh, that first show, there wasn't a lot to that first show. The Supercard no. Honor. But I do remember Tully Blanchard Enterprises, Brian Cage uh, coming out, and you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Tongans with them or uh, the Smoans with them. Uh, yeah. You know, I thought that you know it it added something to the show. So uh, thank you, Tully, for that. And the last thing I'll bring up is today or yesterday, August second, Tuesday, August second. Uh, looks like the pre-orders for AEW Fight Forever came up. And there is a cover out. And, well, while I'm just excited that I can pre-order uh, the game that I want to play, it seems like people don't like the cover. Which Yes. It, w- it was very much how an Amazon listing appeared in the UK. And it had a uh, cover art for uh, the console versions. And, yes, the it was leaked. It was not supposed to come out early in that regard. That was not supposed to be revealed. Um, 
but we do did get a view of it. Basically, it had if we look at the cover, CM Punk, Britt Baker, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, um, John Moxley, and Jade Cargill on the cover with like a green fiery background surrounding it, and uh, Fight Forever in pretty odd text. Uh, it's the definition of attempt title. I mean, of attempt uh, a temporary uh, cover art, like something that they can put on, so that way Amazon can get it ready in their system. So, like, hey, we have it ready to go when they officially make it available for pre-orders. I mean, if it's if it ends up being the final pre uh, final cover, whatever. But regardless of the fact, the fact that people are so up in arms about the cover art of the game when, like, you know, I will buy a game with the shittiest cover art if the game is still good. And also, most people buy games digitally, too, anyway. And Floyd will tell you right now, most of the games he buys are digital. Like, let me be real. I don't remember the last time I bought a game in, (laughs) in case to take out and put into my system. All of my games are digital. I don't care what the cover is. I want the game to be awesome. And all the screenshots and the gameplay I've seen have been awesome. So, yeah. No, I mean, they've shown massive, massive strides uh, in what the game has looked like recently. So I'm, I'm, I'm super hyped. But, like, yeah, I mean, listen, chill. Like, literally, it's just... It ain't that serious. Like, uh, like I said, it's just so weird to me that people will look for anything to complain about. Who's on it? Whatever. I, I, I'm like, make the game dope. That's it. That's that's really all we have to do. <laughs> yeah, like just make but, the game dope. <laughs> but I think the last thing I will mention too, um, because it was a big news uh, thing for the weekend, was of course during Starcast Five that took oh. place over SummerSlam weekend. Uh, we had. The, we had uh, Ric Flair's final match. Um, and I don't think we'll spend too much time on it, but I guess because, I mean, again, Ric Flair is one of the greatest of all times. Um, Floyd, yeah. uh, thoughts on Ric Flair's final match? Because, well, of course, AEW's own Andrade was in it, and then you also had Jay Lethal in it as well. So there was AEW involvement in this match. Yeah, I just want to say shout out and thank you to Ric Flair. Uh, for the most part of my 80s and when I started watching wrestling, him and Hogan were wrestling. You know, if Flair and Hogan weren't on your card, why did you even put on a wrestling show? And that's how it was, you know, in my house. And my dad kind of hated wrestling. But you know who he loved? Ric Flair. Styling and profiling. He loved it. He's like, I dress like the nature boy. He would say that when I was young. So this... This match is exactly what I expected a 73-year-old in a wrestling match with much younger people to look like. Um, I'm not a... Yeah, uh, I just, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot, and you didn't get a lot, and it was his last match. He got to go out on his terms. And for someone that has given five decades of his life to this business... You get or six, I guess, at this point. Uh, he's wrestled in six different decades. You get to go out the way you want to go out. Yeah, and that's you know. Shout out to Ric Flair, packed house, good match. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I say good match. I don't. I'm not gonna lie. It was a match. It happened. It happened. It, it, it's over. I'm not like I said. I'm not gonna bury it. Because I was telling uh, Austin before, I'm not going to bury it because 
it was a 73-year-old in a wrestling match. The bar was low. You know what I mean? It's He's 73 right. years old. I mean, like, you know, just like, I don't know what people at 73 do, but falling <laughs> and actively getting up and running ropes isn't a thing that tends to be on their list. No? And, no, it, but it, there were some cool moments in the match where uh, Megan uh, almost got in a fight with... Uh, uh, I almost got in a fight with Karen Jarrett. Karen Jarrett called her, uh, like, said, fuck you, bitch. And it called on, called on Mike. It was just, it was really, like, it's like, I feel like Cody might have wrote this match. A bit, you might have. Because it was fucking everywhere. And it was this beautiful cluster of an homage to a wrestling god. And I don't mean it in JR, uh, J, JBL's heel version. I mean... When you talk about the Mount Rushmore of wrestling and you don't have Ric Flair on it, you don't have a Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, <laughs> it was Flair wrestling at an age where, let's be fair here, people at that age should probably not be wrestling. Um, and if I'm going to get like the most critical of it, I will get. Um, if you didn't watch that match and uh, didn't picture Mickey Rourke in the wrestler, um, you're a better man than I am because that's literally what I fucking saw. I didn't um, picture it at the time, but when you said it, I'm like, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, I was like, I literally saw that, and I was just like, oh my god, and like, but listen, I'm not, that's that's the most criti- critical thing I'm gonna say. Um, Ric Flair is legendary, household name, um, and we're talking about household names in an era where Hulk Hogan was one of the top things in wrestling. If you come from that era and you can become such a level that like you're on par, if not more of a household name in wrestling on a level of Hulk Hogan, like at the same time when he was around, that's fucking hard because Hogan was king that period. So Flair was truly outstanding. Um, and he he's a legend and I got nothing but respect for him. Um, and quite honestly, like you go back and you watch Flair Steamboat, like, holy shit, dude, this dude was amazing. So I will say to anybody who did watch uh, his final match and felt a little bit like maybe how I probably felt after watching that match, watch back some old Flair stuff. Because this dude, like, if you had any doubt that this dude wasn't that guy, he was. And in a small sense, he still is. But maybe not in the ring, if that's the most thing I can say about it. Yeah. But. No, uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, Flyer Country, man, that was a real thing. It was like, It was a huge, huge thing. thing. It was a huge thing. It was like, if you were in the southeast part of this country, they did not give a fuck about Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and this, that was no. their country. <laughs> that was Ric Flair. He was the boss. He was the man. He was the draw. Uh, and like I said, he was like for a good portion of my young life, especially my formative years of wrestling fandom, he was the man. And it was like he, like anybody else that you consider your favorite, <sighs> had to work with Ric Flair. So. Uh, yeah shout out to you nature boy absolutely but that will do it for this episode of all things elite guys thank you so much for watching please continue to download this fine show on google or apple podcasts 
And of course, if you listen to us on any other podcasting platforms like Spotify or whatnot, give us a share. Share us around with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Leave a rating, leave a review, and of course, you can follow us on Twitter. But also, um, uh, we are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex. Those guys make this show possible. Check out all the shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will leave you with one thing. Hard Knocks, Detroit Lions, it's coming out on HBO in about seven days' time. Watch that shit because your boys, the Detroit Lions, probably won't go to the playoffs. But goddammit, we're going to be an entertaining team. And we're going to have a cool season of Hard Knocks. So watch that if you're a football fan. And I will go ahead and pass it off to Floyd for our next uh, for him to take us home on this yep. episode of All Things Elite. Well, NFL football returns Thursday night. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders versus Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited this time of year. I'm getting all giddy and happy inside. But uh, this this message is just for one person. It's for the godfather of Social Suplex, Mr. Jeremy Donovan. Uh, he is getting married uh, soon. Uh, congratulations on that. And I wish you the best in life, brother. Uh I am I am over the moon and happy for you, and I wish you to you and your uh, future wife the complete best. And with that, I will leave you like I always leave you. Whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.